After a first-time winner yesterday, Formula 1's undisputed king of 2023 was the class of the field once again today. Welcome back to episode number 337 of Grid Talk. Today we are here to discuss the 2023 Qatar Grand Prix. My name is George Housen and joining me today we have Phil Matthew of the Grip Strip Podcast. Hello. Rachel Kaputzer of the Paddock Pals Podcast. Hello. And Jonah Gould of the Soft Tie Podcast. Hello. But before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to play your, place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And today, Jonah, unfortunately, we're going to start with Ferrari, who got off to quite a poor start today. And Carlos assigns as a case, not a start at all. He didn't start the race because of a fuel issue, I believe. Charles Leclerc, though, bringing on the points, got 10 points today for fifth place. Very mixed bag for them today, but given the pace of the car, I think... Given that only one car actually started the race, that's probably the best they could have hoped for today. Yeah, I think Ferrari, I'm not going to say is underwhelming, but in the last little stretch, they've been not, I'll say not pulling in the points that they could. It's a real shame that Carlos didn't start the race today. And we've seen all season, and this is going to be a very controversial opinion to all the Charles stands out there. Carlos has been the, been the better driver all year, in my opinion. And it's a real shame that they didn't put the better car out there. Obviously, to no fault of their own, there's a fuel issue going on there, and that's okay, but Charles brought home the points he could. It's a good place for that Ferrari. You could see him getting walked around by the McLarens a little bit, which for me is nice to see. But for Ferrari fans, it's just not what they're looking for. But overall, I think Charles did what he could. It's a real shame they didn't have both cars in the race today, but good on him for getting P5 and getting 10 points for for the Marinello outfit. I think it was good, but everyone knows that they can do better. Yeah, Ferrari, of course, chasing that second place in the Constructors' Championship behind Mercedes. Unfortunately for them, they didn't make up any ground today when it could have been potentially better, especially with what happened to the Mercedes, but we'll get on to them eventually. Next up, we've got Williams, Rachel. Again, Logan Sargent today actually retiring because uh, I believe he was ill and was really struggling. A lot of drivers today struggling the heat. It it looks very tough for them around this track that has a lot of high-speed corners, and we will speak about that some more soon. But Alexander Albon down in 13th, disappointing for him. We thought maybe Williams could have done something today with how fast the track was, but the pace just wasn't in the car today. Yeah, so first with Logan, I just felt really bad for him and him getting sick. He wanted to stick it out. He really wanted to try, even though he was running in last place. And I think for him, it probably comes from a place of desperation and trying to keep that seat because he really is under a lot of pressure. They seem to want to keep him from what I can tell. But yeah, you got to finish the race. But yeah, it was incredibly hard conditions. So no shame in him having to retire. He was literally, I think they said he threw up. And his helmet, which is, I wouldn't want to drive around with the heat plus throw up in my helmet. So I understand that. Alex, though, he did have some good moves throughout the race. So it was good to see. And I always hope for points for him, but it wasn't in the cards for them today. You thought it might be with some of the track limits stuff coming up because you're just like, what if he gets it? Um, And I also love when James is on the wall with the team principal because he actually gives insight. So when he's talking on the wall, I love it because he'll tell it how it is. Everyone else will 
beat around the bush. And so that was another great Williams member that we got to hear about today. Yeah, I, I got a really feel for Logan Sargent, to be honest, because I we, we say it all the time on the podcast, to go out there and drive a Formula 1 car is an incredible physical effort. And to do that in the heat today, while feeling awful, I think most of us, if we had whatever Logan Sargent's got, we'd probably just chill at home and just try and recover. But he's put himself out there and he tried to do the race. Credit to him and credit to his team as well for being so open and being like, you know what? We get it. There's no shame in not continuing here. It's absolutely fine. And I'm sure there's some people that might disagree with that, but I think it's, it's pretty cut and dry at the end of the day. If you're not fit to drive the car, you shouldn't be out there. And unfortunately, after 40 laps or so today, that was not the case for, for Logan Sargent. Next up, Phil, we're going to talk about Mercedes. Again, a very mixed bag for them today. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell colliding in the first corner. Of course, I'm going to ask you what your thoughts are, are on that. For me, it was a pretty slam dunk, pretty slam dunk in terms of who was to blame for that one. But despite that, despite George Russell going down to back of the field, he ended up recovering to fourth place by the end. That car had some serious pace in it. Whether it was just him trying to make up for what happened or just a general abundance of pace in the car, I'm not sure. But either way, great result in that regard. And of course, like I mentioned, they actually gained on Ferrari today, which not many people would have expected. Yeah, it's what might have been in the case of George Russell and even in the case of Lewis Hamilton. Hail Mary moved to try and get that position early in the race in turn one, uh, trying to use those soft tires, knowing he was going to have to pit probably eight laps into the race. Um, three and a one had not worked or the, all the way through the weekend, and it was yet another example of that. Um certain segments of the fan base will uh, take joy in that. But as a Lewis fan, I don't take any joy in seeing points go away, going in when you're trying to battle for second in the driver's championship and you have the guy that's second in the driver's championship stepping on himself constantly. They had pace in the race car. He had yesterday came from tail from the tail of the field essentially to fifth in the sprint race in 19 laps. So the notion is even on a not ideal strategy, I think Lewis could have maximized points, gotten a top five finish out of it. I feel based on the way that George was racing once Toto told him to be quiet, he uh, he was racing about as best as anybody out there that wasn't the one car. And so they probably had two cars that could finish in a top five today, and instead they only got one. Yes, they gain on Ferrari because, of course, the smooth operator wasn't out there or didn't lose ground, but it's really a, a loss. It's a racetrack that, of course, Lewis dominated at two years ago. It's a track that really suits his style, but I think even in his case and the way he he was in his post-incident comments to the media, you could tell that he knew that he probably pushed it over the line, but unlike other people, he at least copped to it and owned it. It's unfortunate, but at least in the case of Mercedes, the damage limitation worked out to be that they were able to get a decent day out of it. And Lewis gets to go to Coda, which is one of his best racetracks, one of his favorite racetracks in a couple of weeks to make up for a rare mistake that he had there today. Yeah, I think that Hamilton has had a very good season this season on the whole, but today was absolutely not his day. When the, when the incident first happened, I did think, whose fault is that? Who's who's done that? And I looked at the replays and I thought, that's 100% Hamilton's fault. And 
I don't know if it's been decided yet, but I remember that he was under investigation after the race for crossing the racetrack during the race. After he crashed out, he ended up crossing over the off circuit. So I don't know what punishment he's going to get for that. Probably some kind of fine. And I'm pretty sure he can afford it, to be honest. But anyway, we, we move on. Um, next up, Jonah are the Alpha Tauri drivers. Obviously, this season has really not been their season. Bottom of the Constructors' Championship. Despite some better races recently, again, today was absolutely not their day. Yuki Tsunoda, 15. Liam Lawson, 17. They were running at the points at times, but a few cars we're going to speak about. Just no pace overall, really. Yeah, it's... I'm a firm believer that Red Bull shouldn't have a sister team because that's basically taking one team out of the championship fight when you're looking farther at the top. This year, I'm not going to say is a perfect example of that, but that car is nowhere close to competitive, uh, let alone even for points. We've seen Liam Lawson, who is per, like astoundingly showing off what he's got, bringing that car as close to the points as possible. But when your cars for the majority of the season are scoring less points than you're using drivers, it's really not a good look. And it's just got no pace in it. Yuki Tsunoda, he's shown flashes of brilliance this season and the seasons before when he's had a car that can fight in the points and that can go for, uh, let's say, P4, like he finished in Abu Dhabi 2021. Today, it's just not their day. You're sticking a, a, a car on a track that these drivers really don't have a, a ton of experience with, as well as a car that's just plain awful. It's really not a good combination that they're going with there. We'll see Daniel Ricciardo back in the car for the U.S. next week, which will be nice to see what he can do with it. It's a truly a shame Liam Lawson's not going to get more time in a car next season. As far as we know, I think we'll see him back on the grid in 2025, no doubt. But that Alpha Tower is just underwhelming. It's really slow. It's got no pace. It's not good in fast-paced corners. It's not good in slow-speed corners. It's draggy down the straights. There's just no benefit to this Alpha Tower car. And I think they're, at this point... They're just trying to finish out the next five races and look forward to 2024 when either they have a new name on it or they have a lot more RB19 parts on it. Yeah, they'll be looking to put this season firmly behind them. They were probably looking forward to potentially overtaking House or Alfa Romeo. But after Alfa Romeo's results, that's looking very unlikely. They had a great day. We'll get on to them shortly, though. But normally I give I normally give pass as, as the American team too, Phil, as you're usually resident American on on the show. However, Rachel, it's your turn this time. It looked as though Hulkenberg maybe could have scored points today, but then, unfortunately, something had to happen. He went in the wrong grid slot because of the Carlos Sainz not starting the race, got a penalty, and that put pay to any hope of points they really had. And you maybe thought with the limit on stints that Haas could have eat the tyres out because the tyres have just been so difficult for them this season, but even then, they just fell through the field, really. Yeah. Typical Haas for this season. I just wonder how long like Gunther will even be there. I know he's a great personality, but I don't know if he's a very good team principal. The team has just made no strides. And I, even today with Kevin during the race, them suggesting a certain setting on the car and him being like, no, that's crap. So obviously there's internal turmoil, but... I, yeah, I, I don't have many nice things to say about Haas. Nico Hulkenberg's hair looked nice in his press interviews. That's a plus. Um, in, in Nico, he always seems to qualify really well, but that car has zero race pace, and it's just underwhelming. I don't even consider them the American team, but I guess they they are, in fact, the American team, but I don't like to own that. I'll take Luke and Sargent, who doesn't know what a kilometer is, ahead of Haas. How about that? <laughs> But yeah, not much else to say. I don't think we'll see anything more from them this season. I think we'll see more of the same. And they'll be super predictable that they'll keep sucking. And that's all I have to say. 
they've been they've been excommunicado from the US. Unfortunately, they've been that bad that even their own citizens don't want to don't want to own them. However, you'll have choice soon because of the news with Andretti coming through that they're gonna potentially join Formula One. And I really hope it happens. I really hope that the team the other teams don't vote them out. But we'll see with that Formula One. Like particularly when it comes to the teams, they don't they've got their they've got their pie and they don't want to share it with anybody else. They want ten slices. They don't want eleven. Simple as that. But we'll see. I hope I'm wrong on that one. But yeah, 14th and 16th today for Haas with Magnussen and Hulkenberg. Better though for Alpine, Phil, at least for one of their drivers anyway. Uh, I can't remember if it was him or... No, it was Ocon back in Bahrain who got loads of penalties. Gasly got a load of them today. I think he got three, maybe four time penalties for track extensions. It was a lot. They just kept flashing up. I thought, oh, maybe they've just repeated that by mistake. But no, they're all independent penalties. So he was down in 12th. Kondo getting 7th, getting a few points for Alpine. It's not the worst day for them, but it, honestly, the amount of penalties that Gasly was getting for track extension was just making me laugh. I, you got to give the, them credit, George, that both of their cars finished. Uh, usually one of them falls out every race. So yes, they got a lot of uh, penalties for time for track limits, but both cars finished. Baby steps for out. They have the Andretti thing maybe coming along. So that's also a win. But yeah, when you consider all the argy-bargy that was going on that they couldn't have gotten both cars into the points as a loss, Gasly driving over his head, but he wasn't the first person or wouldn't be the last, really, the way that the whole entire race went. It's just, I think yesterday during the sprint, maybe, maybe had a little bit more to show for that, but they didn't really, they just want to go back there. They had Gasly ended up finishing ninth, and the Ocon was out of the race on lap 10. That was in that incident with Hulkenberg and Checo. So in this case, Ocon is able to go and recover and run out the race today after what has been a shoddy weekend. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's, I guess, that damage limitation thing we always talk about, but in the end, it's Alpine, they're sixth in the constructors championship and that's where they're going to be we'll see what they bring to the table for the last few grand prix of the season but really it's a curiosity to see if they'll be able to have both of their cars finish every race so the fact that they had that even through hilarity is a win for them yeah it is something at the end of the day they did both manage to finish the race of course but yeah they're just in their own zone in the, in the constructors championship they're sixth they're miles behind mclaren they're miles ahead of williams they're just doing their own thing they they could not enter for the rest of the season and they'd still finish sixth so they're just doing whatever they need to do at the end of the day now we're going to talk about aston martin next fernando alonso absolutely drove the wheels off uh his car today you cannot fault his amount of effort that he put in today's event he could have got Potentially better than the sixth place that he they ended up getting. I think he was running in third for part of it, but I think to be honest, he was probably overdriving the car just to try and compensate. Lance Stroll down in eleventh. <laughs> Obviously, I know that Rachel has disowned the Haas team. I'm pretty sure Jonah disowned Lance Stroll a long time ago as a Canadian. But we have to talk about him this weekend. It's one thing to not perform in the car, Jonah, but it's another thing to literally assault your personal trainer after qualifying and i know we've spoke about it in qualifying we spoke about it in the sprint show as well but you can be a bad driver but to do that is just it's just unforgivable and the only way you can get away with it is the fact he's the boss's son yeah you know what as a canadian the flag says it all we don't condone that that's the most un-canadian thing i've ever seen people always say 
straying a little bit away from Formula One. People always say the Canadians are super nice and they always apologize. And that's a stereotype that follows the country. It's very true. It's It really is true. As someone who's lived here my entire life, which isn't very long, I'm only 21. It's very true. And what we saw out of Lance after qualifying is so uncharacteristically not Canadian that we're, my mom and I are sitting there and we're just in complete shock that it happened. We're not in shock that he sucks behind the wheel of a Formula One car. I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. He's not... A gr he's not a good driver. He's there. His dad owns the team. It's nepotism. There's no way to, there's no other way to cut it. He was good in the junior categories. He was. He gets behind the wheel of a Formula One car and he's just nowhere close to the driver he was. We saw flashes of brilliance like Turkey in 20, was it 2020? Behind the wheel of the racing point when he got pole. And it was nice to see someone drape the Canadian flag over themselves as a, a sign of success. But he's just been so underwhelmingly bad this season that there's no excuses left for why he's performing so poorly. His attitude, you can see he's just, I think he's checked out. I truly think that he wants nothing to do with it anymore. The Aston Martin has gone backwards in terms of progression, although Fernando Alonso was disgustingly good and will always be incredible and one of the greats of the sport. But I think Lance has just checked out. And I think it's about time Lawrence puts the team up for sale. And as much as I don't like to say it, because it's nice to have a Canadian flag in the sport now that the goat's gone, I think it's time to give that seat to someone who's a little bit more deserving. We've seen their driver academy. We've seen Felipe Drogovic. We've seen some of those guys that can get behind the wheel and that can do well. I think it's about time that one of them gets the opportunity to get behind the wheel and do well. Fernando Alonso did great, and that car is not quick, and not as quick as it used to be. We saw some uncharacteristically Fernando mistakes in this race, like when he drove off at turn 15, a gust of wind, whatever it might be. It's not very Fernando of him, but I think it's time for Aston Martin to do some, some serious restructuring in terms of ownership and in terms of driver, not drivers, because Fernando's immortal. He'll race forever. But I, I don't think that seat is for Lance. And you know what? The entire country is, it's, we're just not backing him, especially after that decision in qualifying to physically shove your trainer. I get frustration. Throw something, throw your helmet, throw, don't throw the steering wheel, throw your gloves, do something like that. Do not in any way touch someone who works for the team. It's just unacceptable. And Lynch needs to issue a public apology at the minimum. That's the bare minimum. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. Very well said. And, yeah, it's, it's just not on at the end of the day. You can't be doing that. And you rightly point out as well that drivers like Felipe Drogovic are itching to be in a Formula 1 seat. They'd do anything to be in there. Yes, you could say, oh, he's a Drogovic might be a pay driver or whatever, of course. But at the end of the day, he's not had his chance in Formula 1. He's got so close. He nearly started the first race of this season and he's hungry and he wants to be in that seat. And you compare that to Lance Stroll, who, let's, let's be honest, only drive for that team because he's the boss's son. Simple as that. And he's giving petulant angry interviews where sometimes his only response is a fall at word beginning with S. I'm not going to repeat. It's just not on. What kind of example is that setting? <laughs> you got people desperate to be in Formula 1 and then one of the guys is just not giving a crap. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, we've pointed about Lance Stroll a lot, obviously, on this show, including myself, but yeah. Let's move on to, to a good news story today, though, Rachel. Alpha Romeo, double points today. Bottas in eighth. Guan Yu Zhou in ninth. We didn't think it happened. It's been ages since they've scored points. Mid-season sometime. Uh, for Canada, actually. I'm just looking at the results here. That's, no, sorry, no. Italy was the last time they scored points. I've been that long. But aside from that, it's been like mid-season last time they actually scored points. Huge for them. And it's got the head of Haas in the Constructors' Championship, which I don't think many people saw coming, really. 
It was awesome today to see them both in the points. Joe getting promoted into the points, but it, it's still a great effort from them. And they brought some really great updates for their car. It's a tough weekend to see everything that those upgrades can do because not a lot of practice time to get the data. But they're going to bring even more upgrades next week, and they have plans for later in the season as well. It, it's late in the game, but it's always great to see a team make a change that actually works and it's always great to see Botas do well I miss him from the Mercedes years and I just always root for him and also Joe getting to show his talent in a car that is actually drivable because it's tough when you're starting your Formula One career in a car that you're not able to show what you can do so I think if this Alpha keeps getting better we'll get to see more of his talent and his skill and if he's really gonna stick around in f1 for a long time but i'm excited for them it was a great day i didn't see it coming i really didn't and so it was a pleasant surprise yeah a few people were saying that this qatar track it really suits the alfa romeo car and even then you thought it's still going to be a stretch to get points they've not looked good in recent weeks but fair play to them you know the both the drivers and the team have come in for a lot of criticism recently but today, I think that really showed what the car can do when it's hooked up properly around the track. Um, just going to go and mention before we go further into the to the order that if you are enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you left a review on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Five-star review really helps us out there. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please go and subscribe there. We're going out live right now. So if you're joining us on the live stream, subscribe to the channel if you're not already. Ring the bell icon so you can get all of the updates from the show and you can also go over to our social medias as well which are now grid at grid talk uk everywhere on the at symbol facebook twitter instagram tiktok the lot we're on all of them so go and check us out on those let's go next to uh red bull phil now obviously very again another mixed day for them best up and winning today looked fairly comfortable mclaren's actually chasing him down quite a bit at the end but you felt that he was probably just relatively coasting towards the end but i've Got obviously I have my bet, so I do feel a bit more invested in this, but I am so disappointed with Paris again today. Yes, he started from the back. However, you had George Russell getting hit by Lewis Hamilton, getting a damaged car, changed his front wing. Apparently there was more damage on the car. Ted Kravitz was saying in the pit, like, oh yeah, they're gonna retire the car, he's done, and then he ended up pulling out of the pit, so obviously he was alright. Still, that car would have had some damage on it, but George Russell ends up going from last to fourth. Perez only just broke into the top 10 in the fastest car on the grid. I can't defend him. I said it a while ago, I can't defend him anymore. And today is another example of him just not performing. I don't know what happened to him after Azerbaijan, but I don't know if it was Marco being Marco, if it was Horner being Horner, if somebody put a spell on him, if they hexed his car, whatever... Red Bull juju that has gone on for everybody, what they did to what they've done to Pierre Gasly, what they've done to what's his name that used now he's in sports cars, Danny Kvyat, what they did to Alex Albon, and even Ricardo to the point where he decided his best option was to go and leave the team. And all of a sudden, no, oh, he wants to come back and be in the team so he can be the hold the water for Max Verstappen. But now, this is just, the, we were talking about how bad Lance Stroll is. He is his teammate formerly of Lance Stroll. He's the reason why that team still exists, to be fair, not just the fact that Lawrence has a lot of money. We don't know how, if he really 
no, I'm not going to go there. But the fact that, that that team still exists is because Checo did a lot of that work to really save them. But now I don't know what has happened to this guy. The precipitous drop off of his skill, race craft, the mistakes that he makes. Yeah, people talk about Logan Sargent. He's a rookie and he's very raw, very little experience. Sergio Perez has been in Formula One for 13 years or 12 or whatever. You can't be making those mistakes 12 years into your Formula One career when you're driving theoretically the best car. I throw a best car on the grid for one guy. I don't know what they give him, but the other guy has the best car and wins every race by 40 seconds or and then just starts coasting around and la-di-da and plays video games or whatever else he's doing or texting on his phone because he's able to talk to his girlfriend. I mean, so when he has nothing else to do, but the fact that Sergio Perez can't even barely make a point and he had 40 seconds of penalties is insane to me. And you have to really think about it. Liam Lawson is sitting there saying, man, I should be in Formula One right now. And we're talking about the likes of Felipe Drogovic. You should be in a ride. You come up, we're coming off of earlier this weekend, the rookie that is probably the best rookie since Lewis Hamilton to come into Formula One. And he's gone out there and won. Maybe we're at a time now where these guys from Formula Two who are at that top echelon of Formula Two and Formula Three are ready to make that performance jump. And maybe Liam Lawson is ready to be in that seat. I don't wish it upon him for many reasons, but the fact of the matter is they need to make a change. I don't care that they have a contract. It's Formula One contracts are made out of napkins um, when they're conveniently necessary. So I think they could go and tell Sergio to go and uh, take gardening leave and go back uh they could leave them in Mexico City after the Mexican Grand Prix and then start with uh, Daniel Ricardo in the second car for the rest of the season if they were smart because what's going on right now is not acceptable. If they're look, they won the Constructors' Championship, fine, but you got the one car leading every race by miles and then the 11 car is sitting there battling with midfielders. What's going on there? And they got rid of their own drivers for less. So you got to wonder about that. Yeah, you do. And it's one of those things, isn't it? If the, we said it quite a few times, if the Constructors' Championship was closer, if Max Verstappen wasn't so good this season in that car that he could have won the Constructors' Championship by himself, then Perez would be coming under a lot of pressure. I'm sure he is under a lot of pressure, but he'd be under a lot more pressure. And I'm willing to bet that it wouldn't, he wouldn't even be in that seat at this point, potentially, knowing how Red Bull are. They are not, they are not, um, they're not trigger shy. That's the phrase I'm looking for. But yeah, yeah, mixed fortunes for Red Bull. However, Jonah, all good times for McLaren. Another double podium. Who the hell would have thought this would have happened after the first few rounds of the season where they were miles off it? I was genuinely thinking, we're back markers this season. We're done. But here they are, legitimately again being the second fastest car. And now they're only 11 points behind Aston Martin in that battle for fourth place in the constructors, it's looking very good for the team in Papaya. Yeah, it's it's a dream. <laughs> Put it that way. I posted a picture today on Twitter of my friend who's a Mercedes fan leaning in front of the TV, pointing at the like the card that has all the standings on it from Bahrain where Lando was 20th. And he's pointing at that. And I tweeted it today and I said, this aged well, didn't it? Because going back to Rachel's point about seeing upgrades on a car actually work, 
Oh my God, did these upgrades on the McLarens work? Unbelievable. It is unbelievable that this car, I don't care if it looks just like a Red Bull. I don't care if that's where the, if that's where the ideas came from. This car is fast and it has two really talented drivers in it. For the first time, I'm sorry, Carlos was good, but for the first time, we have someone who's really sticking the fight to Lando. This car is quick. This car is good at basically any track. It's good around slow speed corners. It's better around fast paced corners. It's not draggy in the straights. It's really slick. This car is quick. It's, I'm, it, you know what? It's just so nice to see, even doing this with an external wind tunnel, bringing the parts back and forth from Germany at Toyota's wind tunnel. The same wind tunnel that did the, the Mark V Supra is building a car that goes around a racetrack this fast and is only four seconds behind Max Verstappen in probably the most dominant Formula One car of all time if it keeps going at this rate, which the only car it'll beat is, an, is a McLaren. But it's unbelievable seeing the trek of this team going from not making it into Q2 in Bahrain to Oscar winning a sprint race. This kid's a rookie. I'm not going to sit here and say that this was unexpected and it came out of nowhere. He won Formula 3 in his rookie year. He won Formula 2 in his rookie year. This is not unexpected. The kid is unbelievable. As If I'm not mistaken, as Philip said, it's one of the. It's probably the best rookie we've seen since Lewis Hamilton. He's incredible behind the wheel of that car. Lando, yes, made a decent amount of mistakes this weekend. I'm not going to sit here and be a Lando stan and say he was perfect because he wasn't. Made a decent amount of mistakes. Oscar out drove him all weekend. He deserved that second more than Lando did until Lando decided he remembered how to go really fast in the last three laps of the race. But it's nice seeing that car being competitive and beating the Aston Martin and the developments are working and the upgrades are working. If this is the package they start off with in 2024, I think our title fight will be a lot closer than it is this year. I know, like you said, it's a dream, isn't it? But it's been so long since McLaren have actually managed to fight for a title. Um, over 10 years now. 2012 was the last time they even got close to it. Yeah, it is very optimistic against 2024, 20, but with how bad McLaren have been at the start of the last two seasons, I mean, very careful with what I say. But right now, they are undisputed the second fastest team on the grid. Absolutely. It's not even that close, really. I know Russell had his problems today, but 30 seconds behind Norris in third place. That's a huge gap. That's a huge gap. So yeah, those are the 20 drivers and the 10 teams. Do want to give a mention though, because there's obviously a few things have happened this weekend. Do want to give a mention to some of these. So obviously we had the tyre troubles this weekend. We had tyre troubles two years ago in Qatar as well. But this weekend it got announced that every driver would only be able to do up to 18 laps during the race, just for safety concerns. I don't think the FI has ever done this before. This is a completely new thing. And my question to you, Rachel, is was that the right thing to do? And Quite frankly, should we be racing here? Because this is a circuit that we've signed on now for quite a few years with F1. And we had these problems with punctures two years ago. We had the concerns this year as well. Is this track suited to Formula One cars? Very loaded question. With a lot of different parts. So I'll start by saying that I think the regulations of only 18 laps on new tires and plus even less laps on used tires that they ended up allocating as well. It, it took away a lot of the excitement of watching the drivers push these tires till the end. So they might've felt like they could go longer than 18 laps and that wasn't even an option. They had to pit and it was weird knowing, oh, this driver is going to pit on this lap. Like it was a little bit weird knowing that I guess one thing that was good is the drivers could push really hard on these tires. So we saw people going absolutely full out, putting in 
qualification laps almost, just getting everything they could out of these tires because they knew that everyone was level and everyone would have to change tires. Like George Russell, he had such a good drive today. Every lap, he he kept making that one overtake on turn six, I think it was, which was like without DRS. So it was just really impressive to watch them push to the edge. And so that aspect was good, but it took away a lot of like driving crafts and nursing tires versus pushing and driving at different deltas, which maybe people wouldn't think is what F1 should be. F1 should be constantly pushing on the edge every single lap. That's how it used to be. And now there's a lot of rules about nursing your tires and different deltas and okay, this lap we're doing cool down. And so it is different now, but it was exciting to see as for the track. I wasn't a fan of it two years ago when all of that stuff was happening and I didn't think we should race there. But the alternative was that street course that they were talking about as well. And I didn't wasn't so crazy about that idea either. So it's fine with giving this track another chance. I think they're they have to make changes for next year. It's just not we can't have this rule be a norm. It's not what the sport should be about, in my opinion. But I think they're gonna have to make the changes. I looked at the curves and they looked they looked like pointy. And I was like, how are they driving over those? It just doesn't make any sense. So I think we can race here again next year in the years to come, but they need to make changes to the circuit. Right now, it's not meant for F1. F1 doesn't race there. They it, The track barely gets used all year. It's just like a couple of races here and there. So I think that they have the time to make the changes and they definitely should if they want to keep this on the calendar. It's exciting. It's full out all these turns, but... If the tires that we use at all the other tracks can't work here, then definitely changes need to be made. Yeah, I know there's a few nuances to the questions I asked there, but <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a complicated issue at the end of the day, and it's something that a lot not really seen. We've not really seen anything like it since the fabled uh, and infamous 2005 USGP, and today's solution was far better than the one we had 18 years ago. So there is that. Of course. And as well, Phil, I'm going to ask you about it too, your kind of take on it. End of the day, it's better to be safe than sorry about these things. But again, it's like they've made these, like Rachel pointed out, the, the curves around this track, I wouldn't really want to run my road car for them. They look like they just shred your tires. And you've got cars doing some incredibly high speeds. Some of the corners, there were so many track extensions today because of how fast you can take some of these corners. Drivers are just willing to make that risk. But I suppose one upside of all this is that it was like the refueling days. You had cars just going out and absolutely gunning it for 18 laps. So that was something we've not seen for a long time. Yeah, I, I know that I agree with Rachel in terms of we didn't have what we usually see, which is actually something nice because it's gotten to be pretty predictable. At least, yes, we knew what the, the pits, the sequences were going to be uh the only thing was what tires everybody had and what do you call ted basically without a black marker earlier in the preview was telling everybody what everybody had earlier in the race but or earlier in the preview of the the grand prix but i i think the flat out aspect of this racetrack is really cool it's something that we don't see very often in formula one unless it's really edgy. Now, the edgy part of it with this track, one is the lack of usage, as uh, Rachel brought up, and I also think I brought up in a preview 
the lack of usage, these curves, because these curves, they built this track for MotoGP. MotoGP has been there forever. They've run World Superbikes there for many years. So granted, you need to make changes or adjustments for the cars versus the the motorcycles. But I also look at it relative to what these cars are able to do. Two years ago, I don't know what kind of power they had, ultimate power they had in the in these in those cars relative to these cars, but I think they're equal ish, if not maybe more, with the amount of downforce they're creating and stuff. So now they're so much more on the edge. And you're having to be on those curbs because otherwise you're going to wipe yourself out or go into the sand. Yeah, you're going to be hitting those curbs at a high rate. These new tires, yes, we've seen some issues with them. Pirelli's going to be around for another four or five years. They have to figure out something. But also, Qatar's got plenty of money. They had no problem buying themselves onto the grid. They can, as Rachel said, they have to make changes. I agree. They have to make changes and make the place safer. Then, because we don't need to have massive offs, we don't need to have incidents of yesteryear take place at five, five, six hundred G, like five hundred G crashes going into whatever because they they because of curbs. It's perfectly doable. They have plenty of money to do it, and they're going to have to do it. Now, what the other thing they need to change is not have it as a sprint weekend. They need to have it as a regular. Um, race weekend with regular running, frankly, maybe add a, an extra session or maybe have Formula 3 race there perhaps as a as an, another race because Formula 3 season is so condensed. Why don't you just have them run there and have their final race since they take eight months to end the Formula 2 season between the Italian Grand Prix and then going to Abu Dhabi? That might be an option to go and add more rubber to the racetrack. But we'll see about that. And we'll go from there. But I personally think for minus all the questionable stuff that involves Qatar, the track itself, I think is very, is a cool track for the Formula One cars, but there's plenty of things they could change to make it better. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting issue for sure. And it's something that needs to be sorted out before the race next year. But if you want to let us know what you think about the Qatar circuit, how you think this weekend uh, went, let us know in the comments on the YouTube video, let us know on the socials at Grid Talk UK, like I mentioned before. And now it's time to give our driver of the days. I'm not actually sure one driver of the day today, but I'm going to give it to George Russell. I think getting hit by his teammate and then recovering from last all the way to fourth, very impressive today. He showed some incredible pace at times. Although I will give a mention to the fact that my driver of the weekend is Oscar Piastri, winning his first race in the sprint, obviously, and second place today again, even despite getting demoted down to sixth. After his after his qualifying lap was deleted, I, I think he I think he was fantastic this weekend, and I can't believe he's what twenty one or whatever and doing what he's doing in this first season. Yeah, a very exciting prospect for sure. Uh, Jonah, who's your driver of the day today? Since you said George Russell, I'm going to say Oscar Piastri. The kid's he's twenty one or twenty two. Uh, it's it's unbelievable what he's doing. He won a sprint race, which I think is I think it's funny because Formula One keeps posting everywhere. Oh, it's a first time race winner, but I don't think McLaren or Oscar count it until he wins an actual Grand Prix, not a sprint race. Because Oscar's, what he said over the radio after he won the sprint race was like super underwhelming if that's your first win. You'd probably be a little bit more excited. So I don't think him or McLaren actually count it. But I'd say Oscar, he's 21 or 22. The kid's unbelievable. It's just what he's doing is unreal. You walk into McLaren, you start beating Lando Norris, guy who we've seen outdrives the machinery he's been given every year. I got to give it to Oscar. And this is, yeah, a little bit biased, but the guy's unreal. 
<laughs> Perhaps, yeah. But the thing is, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. He's doing a fantastic job. Rachel, who's your driver of the day today? I'm going to go George as well. I feel like he just had such a good recovery drive and it's worth the vote of driver of the day. Yeah, he couldn't make it work at the end with the soft tires, but everything he'd done to that point was already just amazing and really impressive. Um, but yeah, giving it to George Russell. Fair enough. Phil, who's your driver of the day? I'm going to go with Jonah. I'm going to go with Oscar Piastri because it's making, I think you mentioned it earlier too, that he's the first guy that's really came into McLaren and really pushed Lando. Yeah, him and Carlos are besties and all, so that was great, but it was a different time and a different level for those two with McLaren. Now they're up front and they're racing for up at the top end of this grid and you're talking about a guy who was being fought over by multiple teams, and now we see why. He's driven, he has things he needs to improve on, but this weekend was, from start to finish, one of probably his best weekends so far. And I think that this is scratching the surface of his potential and capability. And I'm sure that uh, the guy who won the race wouldn't be smiling as much if he had to race him week to week like that. And I think that's something that hopefully we can see in 2024, fingers crossed on that, because that team, McLaren, is, as you said, George, it's been a decade. It'll be more than a decade, 11 years since they've been in a championship race, really. Seeing a classic organization come back to the fore in Formula One and this time would be a great thing. And Oscar Piastri is a big part of why that's going to be the case. Yeah, he is absolutely the future of that team and the present for that matter. He's delivering results right now as well. So yeah, fantastic for, the, for him there. Two votes for Russell, two votes for Piastri for driver of the day. So I want to give my panelists a chance to plug their outlets as well. Jonah, I mentioned that you are part of the Soft Tire podcast. What is that and where can people find it? The Saucer Podcast is basically a podcast with uh, three guys and occasionally George who like to just talk about anything and everything. It starts with Formula One, about 10 minutes worth, and then we get distracted. One of my favorite episodes, if you want to check it out, you can find it also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcast, is when we had George on, George on and we rated Mario Kart tracks and which ones we'd like to see Formula One cars on. So if you want to go check that out, it's one of the best episodes we did. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> oh yeah that was a fun one filming that one absolutely i'm a massive mario kart nerd uh, i do take it as seriously as anyone can take mario kart so <laughs> translate it into Ball one podcast it was a dream episode for me uh rachel i've mentioned that you are part of the paddock pals team uh what is that and where can people find it yeah so it's a podcast with me and my cousin we talk all things f1 and also some F1 personal lives, girlfriends, celebrities at the races. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Music and other podcast platforms. And then also on the socials. I think it's just like at Paddock Pals Podcast. I don't know. My cousin's a lot better at the social media than I am. So he posts a lot and he posts some great stuff. So shout out to him for posting so much. But yeah, that's where you can find us. Yeah, definitely check out Rachel and Warren's show. It's always a good listen. And uh, Phil, I mentioned that you are part of the Grip Strip team as well. Same question to you. What is that? What, what is that and where can people find it? Yeah, the Grip Strip podcast, we're at close to 200. We're at, we'll be doing episode 190 this week. Myself and Josh are fine. We'll be talking about all things motorsports. You can find us at Grip Strip Pod on X and Philip G. Matthew 
is my blog site. You can find the show there. We're on Podbean. We talk about motorsports in the U.S. and worldwide. We'll talk about this race and we'll talk about any of the other news that has come from this weekend, but we'll also be talking about the Charlotte Roval that's going on live as we're doing this recap of the Qatar Grand Prix and more on this week's episode of the GSP. And as always, thanks, George, for hosting and great to be on with Jonah and Rachel and the whole crew here. I always enjoy being on the Grid Talk podcast. Absolutely. I'm Hayden. Yeah, Aiden, Aiden with the production, of course, as always. Yeah, and great having you on, Phil, as always. Thank you for making the time for this. If you want to check out more from Grid Talk, you can head over to our YouTube channel where most episodes are recorded live, just like this one, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search for F on Grid Talk and all of those to go through our big pack catalog of shows, over 300 episodes now, which cover previews, qualifying reviews, sprint reviews, race results, and everything in between. Please consider going over to our Patreon as well to so we can get better lights, mics, and recording equipment. It's getting darker now in the UK for these for these winter Grand Prix. They're on quite early, quite late in the day as well. So yeah, it helps out with that one. And and yeah, we'll be back at the weekend to preview the United States Grand Prix. Thank you very much for joining us, and goodbye.